Our gospel reading this morning is from the ninth chapter of St. Mark. Now, Jesus and his disciples were passing through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. Three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they, the disciples, did not understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about along the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. So Jesus sat down, he called the twelve together, and he said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Before I get started today, I uh, wanted to say a word of thank you. Um, By the way, you might notice that I am wearing my Cheerwine socks today. It's supposed to be the Cheerwine Festival this weekend, right? Um, So since we couldn't have that, might as well wear the gear. Um, But that's an example of why I'm thankful. You know, these last 19, 20 months, however long it's been, um, we've had lots of disruptions, lots of changes, schedules that have had to be changed and adjusted or canceled, uh, rearranged entirely, whatever it has been. It's not been easy for you, for us, for folks who have dealt with far more significant and challenging things than that, of course. Um, and I will admit that it seems as though <laughs> the further along we get, the snippier people are getting. Have you noticed that? So uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your endurance. Thank you for your faithfulness. It means a lot. It truly does, because there is no doubt that that there are lots of different ways that people have approached this whole pandemic and whatever has come from it. But but now is the time for us to give give one another a little bit of extra grace, don't you think? Now is the time for us to, to remember our calling to serve one another, to serve our neighbor, to love our neighbor selflessly. To, and so thank you for the ways in which you continue to do that in, uh, in just wonderful and beautiful ways. So enough of that. I'd like to talk and to dive in quickly today into our reading, because in a moment I'm going to invite um, Hannah forward to share a little bit about her work in Guatemala. But a reminder that this year, uh, in 2021, we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark carefully from the beginning, and we'll eventually get to the end. Um, But we are now in a section, the last few weeks, we've been in a section, a really wonderful, beautiful section of Mark's Gospel, chapters 8 through 10. Uh, a, ch- a section in which that, well, it, it sits directly in the center of Mark's gospel. It begins with Jesus healing a blind man, and it ends in chapter 10 with Jesus healing a blind man. <laughs> uh, two blind men uh, in, uh, sort of encompass or at least serve as bookends to this section of Mark's gospel. And, and in between, there's a lot of blindness. There's a lot of confusion. And, and so Jesus spends some time illuminating, uh, uh, shedding light 
right on the path, their path, and yet there continues to be confusion. In this section, Jesus um, it reveals for the first time, and in fact, not just one time, but three times, that He, the Son of Man, will will die on a cross. He will be arrested. He will suffer. He will die a brutal death on a cross, and three days later, He will rise again. But even that brought even more confusion to those around Him. And you know what happens when people get confused? They begin to argue. They begin to get snippy with one another, don't you think? And so, in this moment, Jesus hears the disciples arguing. And what are they arguing about? They're arguing, who's the greatest among us? (laughs) And Jesus offers this correction. I want to lift up one little nugget in this story, just one, and then again I'm going to invite Hannah forward. But I want to start with a a question. Um, Jesus, when you think of Jesus, what title do you use more often than not? Maybe uh, Christ or Messiah, Savior, Rabbi, Teacher, Friend, What title do you ascribe to Jesus more than any other? Maybe multiple titles, but more than any other. For me, probably it would be Lord in my prayers and in my conversation. Probably use the title Lord more than any other. But it strikes me, what title would Jesus prefer, or at least what title does Jesus use more than any other? And you might be surprised because it's revealed here in this particular section of Jesus, of the Gospel of Mark. The title that Jesus uses is Son of Man. In fact, it's a title that He uses more than any other title combined. Son of Man, used as a title for Jesus 80 times in the gospel. 79 of those times is, comes from the mouth of Jesus in describing Himself, Son of Man. It's a title that's used in the Old Testament 107 times, most, mostly used in, in the book of Ezekiel, but in a particularly interesting question or a part of, of, of Daniel, it's used there um, in a way that is highly significant for Mark's gospel. And here's, here's, what, I, here's what I mean by that. Um, Daniel was one of the people of Israel who 500 years before Jesus or so was, was enslaved. He had been captured by the Babylonians and made a slave to the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon was brutal. He was ferocious. He was evil. And, and so that, that, that era in the, in the life of the people of Israel as slaves to the Babylonians was a brutal era, and certainly for this man who we know as Daniel. One night, Daniel has a dream. And in this dream, there are four beasts that, that are ever-present. These are violent. These are f- frightening beasts who, uh, who emerge. They're loaded with death and destruction. It's your absolute worst nightmare, one would think. They represent, now that we sort of interpret this dream later on, they represent the, the brutal, the violent kings of, of history and of the, of the history of, of Israel, those who had been so feared, those who had been so prideful. As a slave, you assume that's the way life is. I'm a slave, and there's not much I can do about it. And so this dream of the beasts is one of whom must have been the beast, the king of of Babylon, no doubt. But also in his dream, there appears a son of man, a son of man who rises above the beasts and he rules over them. The scene then shifts to God's throne room. Now, this is a dream, right? So the visual is highly important, but the scene shifts to God's throne room where there are two seats, and oddly enough, one of those seats is is empty. 
until the Son of Man figure rides in on a cloud and, and to, into God's presence and sits alongside God on the throne. That's the title that Jesus claims, Son of Man. In fact, the last reference to this title in Mark's gospel is when literally the Son of Man rides in on a cloud and sits on the throne alongside God. A direct reference to this, to this prophecy of, of Daniel, cl- Jesus claiming this title, the one who sits alongside God to rule over the beasts. <laughs> it's a dream at one level and it's prophecy at another. But the question has always been, how will this Son of Man rule, right? I mean, there had been others who had assumed this title, um, no doubt. The others who ruled with power and with pride, that's how kings of this world rule. But, but Jesus rejects that kind of rule, and instead, in today's gospel, says, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands. Odd. And then they will kill him, odd, (laughs) and three days later rise, rise again. You can imagine why everyone was so very confused. Because in other words, his throne will not be an earthly throne. His throne will be a cross. And he will rule not with power and pride, but with selfless love for the neighbor, not for the sake of himself, but for the sake of the other. And so here's what's so important for us, right? As we encounter this, this part of, of Jesus, of, of the gospel of Jesus, that if anyone wants to follow Jesus, and that's what Jesus is getting at in, in this beautiful section, well, throughout the whole gospel, but especially in this section, chapters 8 through 10, what does it look like, therefore, to follow Jesus? What does it look like to be a disciple? Well, Jesus is saying, I'll show you. If you want to follow Jesus, you must do the same. To follow Jesus means to serve your neighbor. To follow Jesus means to love selflessly. It's not a request. It's not an option. It's it's what it looks like. Which makes it comical then to hear the disciples arguing, so who's the greatest, do you think? Who do you think? Am I I better than anyone else? What do you think? Or, Or is he better? Who's the greatest among us? Jesus was left shaking his head. When will they ever learn? <laughs> there are lots of folks in, in history who have, of course, understood this role as a selfless leader, as a selfless servant, as a servant who cares um, deeply for the other, for their neighbor. I want to introduce you to someone who serves as a good, good model and example for that kind of selfless love. She's embarrassed to hear me describe her in that way, but Hannah, you are that great example for us. Hannah serves as a director, as I've mentioned, of Escuela Integrada in Guatemala, a school whose mission is to serve God by serving the poorest of the poor, the poorest of the poor in that part of the world in Antigua. Um, Hannah is from Washington State. She's actually a member of a church in Washington State, but you've been here long enough and many times that we claim you as as our own. I hope you don't mind that. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm one of you. <laughs> it is. Yes, it's very, very true, and we're just so very blessed. Um, I, we'd love to learn more about the school, and of course, uh, we, we, have, we do have lots of different places that you can learn more about uh, about Escuela Integrada. Our website, uh, the, the school's website called wearegraces.org. 
uh, where you can talk with Hannah. She's going to be with us for a reception at between 4.30 and 6.30 this afternoon on Witten Terrace. So um, you can join us then or talk with her after church. But, but uh, we're just glad to learn a little bit more about the school. But today I wanted to, to uh, dive in a little bit more carefully into your story uh, because as we've seen here, to be a disciple of Christ means to follow Christ by serving others, by loving selflessly. And, and uh, I want to know about your connection to the school. You've been there for thir- how many years? Um, so living there permanently for 10 years now. For 10 and then years. on and off for 15 years. How did you become engaged yeah. with, with the school? Yeah, so when I, was, uh, when I was in high school, my church um, went on a missions trip similar to uh, St. John's. And so that was my, my first trip was in 2006, and I loved it. It was an amazing trip. Um, I was very, very impacted by it. And I think, uh, like any teenager, you know, I was definitely looking for, like, fun and adventure. But um, it was just such an impactful experience, um, so I decided to go back. And so I did that um, the next year, uh, the next summer, and then the next summer. And then I did an internship for uh, about a year. And then in 2011, I moved there. And uh, I taught English for English and Bible for about three years. Um, And then I moved on to being the project coordinator, so managed our sponsorship program. You know, many people here at St. John's sponsor a child, so I've probably been sending you emails over the past 10 years or so, um, and then now I've been the director of graces for, for the past two years, so kind of a gradual, um, you know, experience like with Guatemala and being there, but it's definitely impacted since the first time I went. Mm-hmm. Well, and since that time, you've met your now husband, yes. whose nickname is Frosty. Frosty, Frosty yes. is from Guatemala, uh, and you all are expecting your first child yes. this December. December. So mm-hmm. Congratulations Thank to you. you. We're, we're so very happy for you. Well, um, tell us, was there a time, I mean, so you started when you were around 17 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a time when you finally just, you, you just knew, yeah, this is where God has placed me. This is, this is, uh, this is my call. Yeah. to this place. I think after, like I said, after the first trip, I was definitely impacted, and I knew that I wanted to go back, and I didn't really know in what capacity or what that was going to look like, um, and I think after that, it was just a combination of a lot of little moments, you know, that really I felt God um, pulling me to Guatemala. Um, something that really stands out is when I was deciding to move there, I I wasn't really, you know, maybe in like the life po- position <laughs> mm-hmm. that you would expect. I hadn't finished school yet. I only had about $500 a month of income that was that was committed to me for when I was living there. And um I was young. I was 21, just about to turn 22. But I felt so strongly like I did not want to do anything else. What I wanted to do was go back to Guatemala, and um, it was such a strong pull, you know, and people even telling me, okay, well, maybe you should, like, you know, wait for a little bit or um, think about your decision, and I was just like, nope, I'm going to Guatemala. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I guess a question would be why that particular school? I mean, there mm-hmm. are thousands, maybe millions of schools like just like that around the world, um, 
Escuela Integrada serves about 180 students mm -hmm. or so. These yeah. are the poorest of the poor in Guatemala. I didn't look up the statistic recently, but it's hovered anywhere from annual income of between $300 and $900 mm -hmm. annually. Those in your school, who knows what their annual income might be, most of whom are uh, children of, uh, of just terrific extreme poverty. But why that particular school in that particular part of the world? Mm -hmm. What difference is that school making in these kids' lives? Yeah, um, I, what I love about our organization and about our school is the holistic mentality of serving, mm -hmm. um, which I think is really beautiful because that's, I mean, that's really how Jesus did, did ministry as well. So, you know, providing nutrition and providing education and emotional support and spiritual direction, um, all of these things um, that, you know, a lot of other schools or programs maybe don't, um, don't do all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe like one or the other. And so I think that, uh, you know, for me, that is beautiful and that's something um, that is worth, you know, has worth, been worth my time <laughs> for the past uh, mm -hmm. 10 years. And there's just so many, we see, we've seen so many of these um, success stories of kids who have, um, they have overcome the cycle of poverty, like Francisco. Um, so if you can imagine just growing up in that situation, um, in poverty, having to work on the streets, and then after that, uh, going back, you know, and pouring back into these kids' lives and really dedicating, um, dedicating his life towards that. And these kids, uh, kids' families, they have so much potential, um, so much God-given potential. I really love the idea of recognizing the reality of poverty, but believing in the power of God-given potential. So understanding that there is poverty in the world and seeing it, you know, actually seeing it, but then realizing that it's so, you know, these, these people, these kids, they're so much more than their impoverished situations. They have God-given um, abilities and gifts, just like we all do, and um, and so their their purpose in the world, just like us, is to serve others and to give back to their communities. Mm -hmm. So you're raising them not just to learn math and science and and language, although that's critically important, but yeah. learning how to love one another, how to serve Absolutely. one another, uh, in the spirit of being a disciple. I, you know. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's hard for us as Americans to, to sort of wrap our heads around this. These students would not have access mm -hmm. to education were it not for the school, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. They, um, I mean, our kids during, or not our kids, the families during COVID, they were making about $180 a month, you know, because lack of, of job opportunity um, and just, of course, everything that the pandemic brought about. And so, Really, I mean, there, there's not ability to purchase internet, you know, to have um, these devices that where, where kids can study. Mm -hmm. And so I think the pandemic has been a great example of just how these kids absolutely would not have access to education if it wasn't for the school and everything that is provided to them. And so now they're actually able to continue their learning mm -hmm. because of data packages provided, um, because of the tablets that we've been able to provide for them as well. And so it's, it's amazing what, you know, the school has been able to do to rally around the kids during this time. And then, of course, all of our 
supporters as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Guatemalan government is not allowed students to return Correct. to schools yeah. physically in person. Mm -hmm. And so it has to be by remote learning. So many of you, and thank you, by the way, have contributed to mm -hmm. the pandemic fund yes. that purchased a tablet for each of the students mm -hmm. so that the teachers um, could then, and data packages so that yeah. the teachers could engage with the students on a, on a daily basis. It's been absolutely amazing and phenomenal. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, you know, the potential of, of, of these students, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you're right. Francisco is a great, great example. I'm sure there are plenty of other examples. Mm -hmm. Students who may not change the world, but they sure will change their families and change their community. Yeah. What are some other examples of that kind of, mm -hmm. um, whether it's change of life or simply just a deep um, uh, uh, understanding of what it means to be a servant, mm -hmm. uh, a servant leader? Yeah, there's, so, there's really so many. Um, and I've had the opportunity just to be able to see all of that throughout these past um, you know, 15 years. But another example that comes to mind is our psychologist. He... Um, just like Francisco was a student at the school, um, he actually, I think he repeated kindergarten like three times, and he worked on the streets, um, had a very, very traumatic upbringing, um, and he is now, you know, he went on, received education, scholarships, uh, was able to go on to college, and he's now a psychologist working at our school, and um, he could be he could be doing anything else. <laughs> he could be making money somewhere else. And when I think about these examples of, um, you know, specifically of Juan and Francisco, of people who have been through these traumatic experiences, you know, as children, grown up in poverty, you know, to me, I wouldn't want to come back to that situation. Um, but they have. And it is, you know, just a great example of selfless, of selfless love. Mm-hmm. Juan was one of the first students that I met when we showed oh, up in 2010. Yeah. He was a teenager at the time. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a student. He was helping, returning right. as a helper in the school. And uh, and he just has an incredible heart. And yeah. his life was not easy no. on the streets mm -hmm. at all. Um, uh, Hannah, thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for allowing us to be a, a partner with you. Um, it's not been easy, and we pray for you and for the teachers, the families, the students. Um, we, we commend them into God's care, but we know that it does take a partnership, and yeah. so we, we, uh, we want to walk alongside you in whatever way. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for challenging us. Thanks for being God's hands and feet. Thanks for being a good example for us for how to, mm -hmm. to love selflessly. So thank you. Thank you. you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you all. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>